0: Why, and Billy Penn. This is your Friday edition of Hittin' Season, a Philadelphia Phillies podcast. My name is Justin Clue. I write for Baseball Prospectus and Billy Penn. With me is Liz Rocher of Yahoo Sports. Hello, Liz.
1: That's me. Hello.
0: Boy, it feels uh, feels like a while since I've been doing this. It has, I believe, only like t- like two 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 shows I missed, but it feels like I was on another planet.
1: Because <laughs> you almost really kind of were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Yeah, you missed some stuff, man. You missed some stuff.
0: Oh, I I just got the impression that baseball was kind of on hold until I got back. Uh, Let me just kind of blast through what I feel like happened. Since I was gone, Otani signed with the Dodgers, which I've been saying is the inevitable conclusion of that saga for the entirety of its uh, presence. Juan Soto to the Yankees. I guess that happened while I was gone. Kind of forgot about that until the plane ride home. Uh, a couple of smaller deals went down. The Royals are are getting credited for being very aggressive, but um, <laughs> I mean they've they've certainly made three deals. So yes, I suppose that is a way to define aggressiveness.
1: I was going to say if that's how we're defining aggressiveness now, then mm-hmm. uh, all right.
0: Um and oh oh uh, spring breakout, Liz. You must be very excited as a prospect head uh, as a. <laughs> Our resident farm system expert, Spring Breakout at Major League Baseball, announced they're going to have uh, an event, I suppose they're just calling it, from March 14th to 17th during spring training. They're going to have the 20 to 25 best prospects of each organization play each other. It's just one game each, right? Like they're not, it's not a tournament, but it could be expanded into a tournament in the future. This is kind of just a way for them to get the prospects off the backfields and show them to people so they can be like, yes, and now go home to your moderately to small sized town where there may or may not still be a minor league baseball team and go see these players you are now more familiar with they're now marketable we have succeeded in doing this give us your money please uh but you don't even have to come to spring training or go to you know complain about going to a major city to see a big league baseball team you can just see these guys you're a lot more familiar with now and yay money so uh a lot a lot of exciting developments i mean what am i what am i missing
1: I think you've got it pretty much. I mean, as someone who does not advocate for trading all of our prospects for a player that I like (laughs) constantly, I'm definitely excited about the Spring Breakout, which honestly, until I saw it pop up on my uh, Twitter feed, but uh, decided I probably know about as much of this as I need to just by looking at this single tweet, and I moved on with my life.
0: So... What do you make of the one 2 punch of Major League Baseball being like oh, we got to cut a bunch of these teams because of revenues and now them being like we got to hold up these prospects who play for these teams and tout them as the future of the game. Like what do you what do you what do you, what do you make of that what, what is Major League Baseball thinking there
1: um they are the whole thing has been about consolidating power i mean trying to present their prospects is something that they've struggled with in a way that basketball and football don't (coughs) excuse me because they have very popular college teams tournaments and things that are followed closely and so by the time these guys make it to you know the draft everybody knows them uh in baseball that is the opposite because the uh the uh was a college world series is definitely aired on television but it's just not <clears throat> as interesting for a lot of people so they're trying to to build a way for <clears throat> people to to see these prospects but as you mentioned uh minor league consolidation has all been has been all about consolidating power mm. um and beyond the ones that are not owned by um the major league teams themselves diamond sports holdings has um purchased an unbelievable number of minor league teams
0: boy somebody's really got to look into this i Uh. really would (laughs) like for someone to do that
1: i don't Mm. I, i don't quite understand why they've been allowed to i know i think i saw something recently about further contracting of the minor leagues i don't know how they'll do that like it's uh they're they're trying to consolidate their power in a way that basketball and football can't, because they have the minor. They don't have minor leagues. Their minor leagues are college, right. which is a whole different kettle of fish. So MLB is trying to do what they can, I guess. Now until someone remembers that there was a challenge to their antitrust uh, exemption.
0: I will say, you know, it is if you ignore all the. <laughs> Backroom <laughs> dealings behind the curtain, and all the you know cynical, jaded talk for which are they is is maybe instinctive for us, but not mm-hmm. inaccurate. Um, I will say there is you know a, a cool idea in here, yeah, like, to introduce completely. prospects to people more aggressively and be like, yeah, look, these are really good young ball players maybe you're not a baseball america subscriber maybe your town doesn't have a minor league team because there are significantly fewer of them now so this is a chance you know in this case just over like a weekend in March if you happen to be in Florida or Arizona but still it is an opportunity to hold up prospects and be like yeah these these are maybe even just names you've heard and you don't even know the faces behind them you know not everyone is an Orioles where the names of prospects have been known for the past five ten years as they have been recruited developed and eventually promoted so, uh, yeah, it, it is it is a cool thing for baseball to do. If only we didn't live in a world where every cool thing presented to us was followed by like, hmm, wonder what's <laughs> why what are horrible, they actually doing this? What, what little secret crimes are going on because secret of this. Crimes. They're going to be like robbing all of our cars while we're watching spring breakout. It's like in the parking lot. There's just Rob Manfred out there like we're going to steal change out. You're not going to get in a card at Aldi anytime soon on my watch. But yeah, I, uh, I I think it's a cool idea. I think uh, it, 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 you know, it's it's nice to see them kind of expanding in these areas, and that's going to be the theme of today: expansion to an extent in regards to the Phillies. Uh, so let's let's get let's get this ball rolling. Phillies have met with Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the best pitcher on the market currently left among the free agents, uh, a, a hot commodity pretty much starting in the winter when when, um, the general baseball fan began learning his name uh, and uh, what he was capable of doing, his deep pitch arsenal, that cutter you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago that looks like it could just be devastating uh, the first couple times a hitter faces it. Uh, it's, uh, It's obviously going to be someone who will be considered an asset to any starting rotation. And fun enough, the Phillies are still technically listed among the several teams who have met with and are quote-unquote in on him. Matt Gell wrote that the Phillies liked Yamamoto, just like everyone else in the industry. They were never quite sure if Yamamoto liked them. The Phillies viewed him as a fallback solution if they could not re-sign Nola. Once they signed Nola, they were no longer realistic bidders for Yamamoto, despite some speculation that suggested as much. So this has largely been... Gelb seems to be the only one like willing to throw water on this. feels like a lot of national writers are like, the Phillies are meeting with them and not really analyzing it more than that because they want to be able to stir Phillies fans into a frenzy. They want to keep as many fans in on this and clicking on stuff as long as they can. Uh, but Gelb seems to be like, yeah, I mean, you know, just control yourselves because this is probably not happening. Uh, let's start with this, though. I would love to know the difference, as in like the de- the details and nuances, between their pitch to him now... Versus the pitch they would have had to give him if Nola had not resigned with the Phillies, because if they're as like far down the list for Yamamoto as they appear to be now, they would have had to like work pretty hard to get themselves up at the top, which is what they would have wanted to do because they would be without Aaron Nola. They would need a number two starter or like another top tier starter. So like, what do you think the difference in the pitch would have been had that happened?
1: Well, I presume the main difference would be the amount of money they secretly told his agent they'd be willing to offer him. That's, I think, the main difference. But uh, maybe they would have gotten everybody there to, uh, you know, everybody on the team to come and tell him how much they loved him. I mean, if they were that desperate, I mean, Mm -hmm. and after (laughs) not resigning Nola, they would have been, they would have been desperate if they couldn't have gotten him, I think, because I don't.
0: Yeah, imagine that. Like, yeah, Nola I don't goes want you to. to but... Well, okay, let's imagine this, though. Nola goes to the card. Well, no, let's put him on the Braves. Just or anywhere. Because, uh, well, let's say Nola and Gray wind up, one of them on the Cardinals and one of them on the Braves. And then Yamamoto, who the Yankees still want. These are the teams that are currently, we know, we have been told, are in on Yamamoto the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Blue Jays, and the Red Sox. Neither of those teams are the Braves and Cardinals, so you're not even nullifying. Those needs, you're just up against the same teams essentially, and I believe the Yankees and Dodgers are considered the front runners here. uh So, yeah, I gotta say they would have to unload everything. But what is that for the Phillies? I mean, they're generally considered as having the longest shot out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the resounding of Nola turned this more into an obligatory gesture. But if they really had to have yamato I mean, they're sending, they're sending the fanatic, they're sending yeah. Harper, they're sending Schwarber. They're sending. Um, uh, who else we got? Who else we got? Marsh. They're sending the daycare to uh, stand in the hallway with cups and in a, in a <laughs> fun little thing to introduce him to Philadelphia that goes horribly wrong. And he's very angry <laughs> before the meeting even starts.
1: He's hot. Hi- they're hiring. They're finding out what his favorite food is in Japan and hiring a special chef just to do that for him.
0: A, a cheese steak version of his favorite food, whatever it is. <laughs> Considering
1: uh, it might be some kind of sushi, that's a terrifying thought.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, well, we can cheese steak it. We'll cheese steak anything. It's fine. We'll do it. Like whatever he says, you cheese cheesesteaking it. Mm. All right. Or you're not Due getting paid. poke pain.
1: a cheese steak, I might <laughs> throw up.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, that would be that would be an interesting meeting. Uh, I'm glad that that's not the case. I do wish it was more like. And the Phillies want to add another arm and this is where they want to be able to do it. So it'd be great to have three top tier pitchers instead of two, but every indication we're getting uh, from, from Gelb at least who I feel like has been more of a realist about this situation is that the Phillies are again, considered as having the longest shot out of all those teams I mentioned of signing Yamamoto do you, do you think the Phillies biggest problem Was that they had to go after the Dodgers Like is there any way the contingency they sent Matches up with like the Dodgers sending Mookie Betts And Shohei Otani and Freddie Freeman Like Freddie Freeman just shoulder checks Dombrowski going into the meeting room Like hey, good luck
1: <laughs> Yeah there's no way they could match that The, I mean the only thing That they could say is that Two years in a row we've made it farther Than both the Dodgers and the Braves you could sign with those teams but uh, i mean what do they have to tell they don't even have a, an NLCS ring they don't have they don't they don't have any of that all that we've got that so if you want to if you want to get with the team that has a little bit more uh oop on their side as far as the powers that be this is where you've got to go
0: yeah you know i was thinking about that the other day the dodgers are really not far off reputationally from just being the padres you know, like the Padres missed the postseason this year, and their whole thing is, oh, we stacked up all this talent, and it was so all these really, really good players, and it's just not working the way we intended it to. Whereas the Dodgers, you know, spent a lot of time stacking up all these really, really great players, and they won a World Series but it's the asterisk World Series, and that's the only one they got. I mean, it's not like success doesn't count in other areas and other ways. And yes, they've been running that division, so I suppose that is the difference. But I don't know. It just feels like if if the intent is to be good for a length of time so that you are always getting in the playoffs and therefore always have a chance of winning it all, your whole point is, well, but winning it all more than once would be the goal, especially when the one time we won was the 60-game pandemic season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say the difference between the Padres and Dodgers is the Dodgers have a much stronger, like, organizational philosophy. They are definitely not a team that will rest and wait to see if Manny Machado feels like speaking up in the clubhouse today. Yeah. You know, they're not – they're always willing to put pressure. And and whether it's seen as pressure or if it's just light suggesting or – an indication of this is what your responsibility is. They, they don't hesitate. The Dodgers more than anything, know what they want. They're willing to spend the money to get it. And they know what they need from everybody. And they, they just, they're adding more talent and it's all specifically for the playoffs too, because they have a, they had the, a team that they won what? 111 games last year or something silly like that. And Like they, they are the Kings of the regular season. They are adding talent purely to prevent what happened to them from in the playoffs last year from happening again. You know, they have the Mm -hmm. option to do that. The Phillies have chosen to go another direction
0: because they believe
1: they still have what they have. But like, like the, the understanding has to be is like all these players is they're going to add to the regular season which is great, but we already run that division. It's a marathon to get into a sprint. That's what I'm, it is.
0: I'm glad you brought that up, the Phillies' other direction, because that's kind of what I want to talk about. Like, here we are in mid-December, and, yeah, the Dodgers got Shohei Otani. They've made some other moves. They made a trade we'll talk about in a little bit uh, with the Rays. Like, they're being they're being aggressive. They seem like they're set up to be the kings of the offseason season it seems like we're entering another era where the Yankees and Dodgers and like these big market teams are going to start throwing their weight around and it'll be less about these charming other teams, you know, making, finally making a name for themselves. Like, no, the big boys are kind of kicking the door in again. And to me, that's less interesting, but you know, it is still baseball. But as far as the Phillies go, yes, they were in the NLCS this year. Yes. They were in the world series the year before that, like you said, though, they seem to have chosen to go in a different direction this winter and I kinda wanted to talk about that for a second because I feel like they may be entering phase two of the Dave Dombrowski era. And what I mean is, uh we've we've seen some stories come out lately about their uh, interest in expansion in September 2021 Preston Mattingly was hired as the overseer of the Phillies player development system and in the time since he's revamped the complex the Phillies operate in the Dominican Republic he wanted this transition of international prospects to, to like from there to the United States to be a little more seamless he wanted them to arrive in better physical shape he added more staff more resources and more camps and this was partially triggered by the Phillies' desire to get better in this particular area, but it also sounds like with the amount of domestic minor league players capped at 165, the philosophy kind of has to move away from let's bring in a guy we like because we can, because we have the space to, because you know we got this 180th spot that uh, is just for somebody we find interesting. No, each space now seems like it has become much more valuable, and therefore attention we pay to each individual taking up a space matters more greatly. And you and I are always on the side of, yeah, let's make things better for minor leaguers, but this is what was reported back in April by Matt Gelb of The Athletic. So we jump ahead to yesterday when Alex Coffey of The Inquirer gave a little more detailed report of what that expansion in the Dominican has been. Uh, she also reminds us that this was a farm system once described as toxic by employees. So <laughs> the Phillies' growth was also not starting at zero. It was starting in the negative space. Yes. So the growth gets even bigger when you when you factor in how far back they had to start. So she provided a list of seven players who you may even see come out of the Phillies' new-look Dominican complex in 2024. And she writes that since 2010, 361 players who played in either the Dominican Summer League or the Venezuelan Summer League have reached the big leagues. Sixteen of those have come through the Philly system, and three of those players ended the 2023 season on their active roster. Ranger Suarez, Sir Anthony Dominguez, and Johan Rojas. Not bad, but certainly far from the teams getting the most players from that pipeline, like the Yankees, like the Astros. Uh, She also wrote Mattingly and Soto see last year's uh, Dominican League team in the same vein as last year's single A Clearwater Threshers team. Uh, he believes th- this recent wave of players at the Phillies Dominican Academy can now set a new culture for future players coming through the Dominican Republic. Now, to wrap this back around to Yamamoto, Todd Zelecki had a story on MLB.com this week about the Phillies' efforts in Japanese scouting, an area where they have been woefully short with only two Japanese players in their entire history, Sotoguchi and Tadahito Iguchi. Uh, they took a swing at Otani in 2017, weren't even close, and we're never even in line to speak with him for this go-around in 2023. So now they are in a small group of teams still linked to Yam- Yamamoto, but not really considered a front runner at all. So they've used a small amount of resources, certainly none more than anyone else it feels, and they've been, but they have been smart about recycling. One interesting note to me uh, that Zalecki wrote was that the Phillies' efforts to woo Otani weren't a complete waste of time. They later <laughs> no. used they used parts of his presentation no! in, in other recruiting efforts, including the one for Bryce Harper.
1: <laughs> That's pretty great.
0: But nevertheless, they have expanded their Japanese scouting. Dave Dombrowski told reporters at the winter meetings that when he'd gotten to Philadelphia, there were some international players that they were out on simply because they didn't have any info on them, or or at least enough info. Uh, and I believe that was credited to like the people who would have provided that info, not working for the Phillies anymore. <laughs> uh, but Sam Fold says it's an ever-growing market, just like KBO in Korea. It's only getting bigger, and it doesn't make sense not to pay attention to it, which I think a lot of people would have told you maybe a couple years ago. But nevertheless... Per Dombrowski said the Phillies have beefed up their Asian operations with assistant general manager Jorge Valandia leading the way. The Phillies last month promoted Derek Chung to international scouting director. He had been scouting with them since 2017. Dombrowski praised the efforts of international scout Tora Atsuka, who is based in Japan. Now, I said all that to ask you this. Are these two developments we're seeing, you know, getting uh, we're we're being told about now in the Dominican Republic, an area where the Phillies have had at best, you know, let's say an average amount of people come through and, and play in the United States to Japan, where they've only had two players who were acquired. One via trade, one via free agent signing uh, after he was already a Major League Baseball player. Um, Two areas where the Phillies have been lacking for some time. Does this indicate a sort of phase two for the Dombrowski era? If you consider phase one was getting back to the playoffs and, and also proving that that wasn't just a fluke, getting back to them again. He pursued and acquired star Town. He brought in established guys, brought them here, kept them here, and now they've gone on two consecutive deep playoff runs with a third expected. Bryce Harper shouldn't find himself surrounded by a non-playoff team for the rest of his prime. And there should never be a reason within the Phillies' control, that they are not in contention within his prime. So now this winter, to throw in some holiday imagery, the buzz from the Phillies isn't coming from some glimmering star at the top of the tree like last year with Trey Turner, but from the trunk that supports where the star goes. If expanding scouting and talent development in new areas should come to be the defining aspect of this offseason for the Phillies, how does that make you feel about the organization? Is this the right place for them to be?
1: I think it has to be, considering, as you said, how far back from the starting line they began when the race, you know, when the race started. They were really far back. And I don't know if this is phase two as much as it's, uh, this has been happening at the same time. You know, Dombrowski came in and immediately made changes across the board to try and. Get everyone on the same page, which was a huge issue, huge issue. And now we're actually seeing, you know, now we've got like they've expanded and upgraded their Dominican um, headquarters. And they that's not something that can happen in just a few years. He's been planning that since he got here. All of this has been part of the general plan that is run concurrently to getting the Phillies back in contention. You know, they hired Dombrowski for a lot of reasons, and these are it because it wasn't just about getting the Phillies into the playoffs again and getting them the talent they needed. It was about making sure the Phillies would continue to be competitive for years to come. That's that's the difference, and I think that's the key in the window-opening you know, the playoff window opening closing thing, is that what Dombrowski is doing and has been doing is trying to make sure that the window always stays open.
0: Which would be a novel new place for the Phillies organization to be in. It would be It's where the Dodgers are. Exactly. It would be cool to view them as one of these organizations. Like, even the Cardinals have that reputation where, like, yeah, you know, they they weren't good last year and they wound up punting, but they kept Goldschmidt and they kept Arenado because they were like, yeah, but this isn't, like, This isn't a teardown. This isn't the end, the end. Right. We're going to make some deft moves and, you know, this, this will, we're going to work stuff out. So to be a team that has a viable major league product on the field with also a farm system that can produce more, that's a tough place to be. It's not a place that really has existed for the Phillies. Two places that have existed for the Phillies simultaneously in in a while. I, I can't remember the last time the Phillies had a like, top five ranked farm system do you i mean no they may never
1: ma- have had they I may mean, never
0: have that's true yes i i mean like th- this doesn't even necessarily mean that will happen it just means they're increasing the uh, you know, where they're looking for talent and that is that is always good especially when other teams are getting talent from those areas and succeeding like you know i mentioned the yankees and astros those are two teams that have found some success yes the yankees have stumbled but they put together some really good teams over the years as well So, I I guess I view this as phase two because you're going to have a lot of people who, if the offseason ends and there was truly never never a thrilling moment for fans, they're going to resent that. Not because, you know, they're really thinking... About the Phillies and the present and the future and all that, but because they want to be entertained. I want to be entertained. I want to have an entertaining offseason. I don't think the Phillies are going to be the most entertaining team. I think, like you said, they got their homework done early by re signing Nola, and then that's going to be the biggest move they make. I-, I saw a tweet this morning, and this was hilarious because it's from a Braves fan, but they were talking about the five steps of Braves offseason acceptance. Step one. Demand a top free agent. Step two, politely ask for a second top free agent. Step three, desperately start looking at trade options. Step four, begging for C-list player. Step five, realize we're sticking to what we have at home. And why that's really funny to me is because what the Braves have at home is like the McAllister's mansion from Home Alone. Yeah. Like, you're <laughs> you're fine. You won 104 games, and I'm sorry, the difference maker you need to beat a funner, scrappier team in the postseason that you just can't beat, you know, in three times historically, you're, you're 0 for 3. I don't think there's a guy or a top free agent out there who's going to be like the difference maker there, because that's, that's more of a vibes thing. That's more of an intensity thing. That's not really like a talent thing at yeah. that point, once you're in the playoffs. The Braves won 104 games. They can be okay with what they have at home. That's the whole point of signing all those guys to the contracts they have, is that they want them to stay at home for quite some time. Mm-hmm. But I bring this up because that's kind of like that. that is not just a, a exclusive to Braves fans, I think, that sequence of events. And I think you're just seeing a lot of Phillies fans who are taking a lot of solace from the fact that, you know, oh, the Yankees and Dodgers and three other teams are still involved. And you're like, oh, other teams could be us. And, you know, maybe it is. But from what we're seeing from people who know, it probably isn't. And I think you're going to see the Phillies sign, you know, a bench outfield bat guy, maybe another starting pitcher, obviously some, maybe you get a bullpen arm in there, you know, like the, the, uh, to replace Craig Kimbrell, obviously, but none of these moves are going to be the kind of moves that I think people are geared up for because I just don't think right now, this off season, that's where the Phillies focus is. They're like, look, we got the plate spinning for the major league team. We, we got it. Like, yes, it's flawed. No, it's not perfect. No, they're probably not as good as the Braves, but has that really been a hindrance for us in the past two years? No, they've still managed to make the playoffs and go further than the Braves both times. So now we can start thinking ahead, far ahead to like, you know, a uh, part of Alex coffee's story was listing seven, 17 to 19 year olds who she said could be in the United States in 2024. Like we'll have, will have graduated from the Dominican complex. So it, it, it's, it's more about thinking about the future, which is not th- super thrilling in the present, but, I found myself kind of soothed by it where I was like, oh, so like we're well enough off now that we can start thinking about changing the organization in ways that Dombrowski won't even be here when the payoffs happen.
1: It's sort of like fighting a war on multiple fronts. For years, the Phillies focused on, you know, like 15 years ago, they focused on the team that was on the field. And then for a while, they focused on, "We got the farm system is terrible. We have to get more guys into the farm system. And now they're sort of understanding you, you can do both at the same time. They just needed, it, weirdly, they needed someone who was willing to do that. And that's Dombrowski. He saw what needed to be done. He understood what the Phillies wanted. And he sort of applied that across the whole team. You know, it's a great thing that they have the, you know, that they have all these new players, that they're expanding, they're scouting, because you're right, that is going to pay off when Dombrowski's no longer here. And that's why they hired him. They hired him not just to help them get over the hump now, but to, Turn the team into one that could, at least for, you know, 10 years, however long, can continually feed the major league team. And that's how you do it. You know, they, they're they're they not satisfied. They're not content to tank again for some high draft picks because they have learned that is not the way to build a good team. That's not how you do it. The draft is so limited in the players that you can get in that they're almost all white and all from the South and Midwest. <laughs> and they're yeah. all pretty much, ju- they're all American. They've And so like they, it, they had such a narrow view for a long time. And now it's like they're, they took the, the horse blinders off and it's all, they were like, oh, there's, we could see the whole field. There's so many more things we can do. We don't have to do this one thing anymore.
0: Right. And this is, again, an area, because of the um, the pace at which baseball development works, this is an area that you may not see the benefit from from stories like this for a very long time. And, you know, that's, that is just what it is, but it is still important for the team to be doing. And I think I found myself just kind of, like, may I, I was pleased by, by learning that, like, okay, they are, and they're thinking about the feet. They're not just thinking, like, let's drop all the money we can, all the money John Middleton is willing to spend, On this team right now, this team of guys who are like all 30 to 32 years old, you know, they're not they're not at the end of their primes. But, you know, people are starting to think about it a little more loudly Uh, and you're not thinking like, well, we have to make a trade to stock up the farm system, at least yet Uh, you're thinking. A little further in the future, it's like how do we become a team that has the infrastructure, that has the system in place, that has the scouts in place to really push this team into up into that conversation? Maybe with the Braves, maybe with the Dodgers. And honestly, having a decision maker like Dombrowski in there does give you a a, a good chance. I don't think a lot of people would say like this is the area for which he is known best reputationally. He is, of course, best known for like cleaning out a farm system, bringing in talent, and you know then successfully. Typically winning a World Series. But uh, from that story where he's listing other people's names and and names that, you know, a lot of us probably aren't familiar with, but he's putting the people he believes are best suited for the job in places where the Phillies have have only just begun to expand. And that's just that's I mean, in my view, that's the strongest thing a leader can do. Like, look, I'm not an expert on this. Let me get somebody who I think is an expert and put them in that chair and then they can run that stuff and I can do the stuff that I am good at.
1: Exactly. Like you, we all had a a preconceived notion of Dombrowski coming into this, coming when he came into the Phillies. And, you know, he was already a Hall of Fame manager, uh, you know, general manager when he came in. And this was almost a chance for him to surprise people, diversify and show, yeah, I can do those things. And I did those things 10, 15 years ago now. Now I'm here and I've adapted I've changed I've learned I I'm not just a guy who does the thing that everyone thinks I'm going to do I'm here and like I'm it's it's probably the most consequential hire of the past 30 years Yeah I'm going to say like it and that that will be judged in the future but looking at what he's done in a short time it really is incredible that I mean, I don't know what they offered him to finally get him out of Nashville. Whatever it was, it was a blessing to all of us because he, he has changed this franchise in such a small amount of time into one that we all now believe could be the Dodgers. Like The Dodgers haven't had an early draft pick in God knows how long, and yet they still have a farm system where they're just like tossing guys over to the Rays because they want Tyler Glass now. Like they're just and that's what the Phillies want. And that Dombrowski said, all right, I can do this for you. I'm going to challenge myself and do this for you. That's that's a Hall of Fame general manager right there. That's a Hall of Fame executive.
0: And, you know, we're imagining that things go smoothly. But again, we're talking about things that uh, will impact the distant future. So who knows? But uh, it's the Phillies. Yeah, but I I found myself. This does feel like a, a different kind of thing. It feels like a more seismic shift in in the organization's efforts, and you know that is that's a good thing. At least for now, right now, I can say this is a good thing. When you think about the most impactful hires of the last thirty years, are you talking about like off the field?
1: Yeah, I'm not okay. talking about players that they've acquired. I'm talking right. about the guys they they put in place behind the scenes. Yes, and I'm
0: not I'm not saying I automatically disagreed with you. I just wanted to make sure that was that stipulation was in place before I say who else. Is up there. Pat Gillick, Pat probably Gillick, up there. For Do you consider sure. a manager an on-the-field person or an off the field person?
1: That's a combination. So I'd say both. You could be looked at as an off-the-field person because he does not actually step on the field, does he?
0: I guess then Charlie Manuel fits mm-hmm. this bill as well. Um Hmm. I was, I, mean, I was just curious. You brought that up. I was like, yeah. I wonder who the most well, and
1: those are the guys I was thinking about. And those are guys where we can now see the impact that Gillick had on the franchise. We could see what Manuel did on the field. And we're not going to be able to judge Dombrowski on this for a, a while. But it does look now to be like the Phillies understand truly their their place. You know, their Philadelphia is not considered to be a quote-unquote top-tier city, but that is no longer going to affect how the team thinks of themselves among other baseball teams they believe they're a top tier baseball team with money to spend and they're taking that money and using it in a lot of different ways to expand scouting because that's how the dodgers and braves have done it you know the dodgers and braves are very similar if you look at their farm systems and how they've produced Players for the big league team. Now, once you get to the big leagues, one of them spends a lot of money, and one of them does not. But when you have a a a highly functioning farm system, you can make those choices. And the Phillies seem perfectly situated to be a team that can sit in the middle of those two, and let their farm system provide as well as sign the big players because that's what they've always wanted to be—a big team with flexibility to do what they want and make the changes they need to take their team to the next level the next year.
0: I was going to also throw Mike Arbuckle's name in there. But oh, yeah. I was trying to figure out when he was hired. I don't know if like how granular you want to get with it. He actually was hired by the Phillies in 1977 as Whoa. a part-time scout, but then he left and went to the Braves. And then he was there for 12 years before he came back to the Phillies as – Assistant General Manager, scouting and player development from October 2001. Okay, so I think he counts because he, he does is, count because he is very impactful.
1: That's the core of the 2008 team that yes. he he uh, advised. To Did you be know he drafted? He
0: he went to he, he works for the Royals now. Uh, he, do you know he went there? in 2008 like in november 2008 after they Thank won that world series god according to this profile on the royals front office directory so no
1: no disrespect to mike arbuckle but i think he might have used up the last of his magic dust on the phillies
0: uh <laughs> oh, prior to that he served as phillies director of scouting beginning in 1992 okay so that's just outside of the 30-year window boy you're really you're really being a stickler about this liz gosh I- <laughs>
1: We can... <laughs> Yeah, it's all me. <laughs> all
0: right, well, you mentioned that uh, Dodgers trade with the Rays. I did want to bring that up quick. Jeff Passan reported last night the Dodgers were close to a deal with the Rays for Tyler Glass now and Manuel Margot coming from uh, coming to L.A., and Ryan Pepiot and Johnny DeLuca going to Tampa. Putting aside, the Dodgers owning the offseason thus far and the Yankees dealing for Juan Soto, as well as both of these teams being in the market for Yamamoto. Do we feel like what I said before, like we're entering a point in which the bad guys will start winning again? I feel like these huge market Dodgers and Yankees teams have been pretty eh, more kind of kind of dormant as far as like, you know, the Dodgers winning World Series. They really haven't racked up the trophies. I think they wanted to. And obviously the Yankees teams have really been letting down their fans. Uh, So... (laughs) do you, you know, do you feel like we're just entering an era where these these two are going to be really trying to reclaim their dignity again?
1: Uh the Yankees have to show me that they have dignity before they <laughs> can reclaim it because they have sucked. They sucked last year a whole lot. Um they spent the second most the second they had the second highest payroll behind the Mets last year and they they got zippo. Absolutely nothing out of it. So they're doing this to like I was considering doing a re- like sort of a weekly post uh during the baseball season Evil Empire Watch yeah. but it would be focused on the Dodgers because that's it, that's who it is they've spent and spent and spent and they've now they've they're trading they're just continuing to trade and they still have probably the best outfield we've seen in I mean since a long, long time. We're talking like fifties, forties, thirties. Like with um with Freeman and Shohei Ohtani, and, or he's not DHing. I think they have a great outfield. Bookie Bats is one of them. I know baseball. I can remember <laughs> those guys' names. <laughs> I can't not now, but like, <laughs> they they're really sort of the evil empire. But they've they've done it. They've managed to do it without winning. The World Series multiple times which is why people still are they're still sort of like it's a soft power you know people always think of the Yankees first as evil empire but they they traded for Soto because they had to do something big they weren't going to spend any money this offseason so they had to trade for Soto and I'm curious to see if it's going to work because there is no way that soto isn't going to hit free agency he's 100 percent going to hit free agency and i don't know if the yankees will be willing to give him the money he wants or deserves
0: i mean that's all anybody was talking about with in regards to soto was like okay you get him but then you got to know you're going to sign him before you get him and i was like i don't know if that works like that man because then mark topkin of the tampa bay times reported that the deal was contingent the Dodgers deal with the Rays was contingent on Tyler Glass now signing an extension with the Dodgers, which it sounds like that's happening. Yep. And I feel like we talk about that a lot, like with Soto, but I don't think that happens a whole lot, does it? No,
1: I don't think so. It really depends on the type of player. And I think Tyler Glass now is the perfect kind of player who has been with the Rays long enough and has seen them not win. And for a team like the Dodgers to want him, a, the Dodgers, the 100 some odd you know
0: the team Shohei Ohtani plays for. The team
1: that Shohei Ohtani is on that has you know like Gold Glovers scattered across the field. Like if they want you, you're breathless. You're like, oh my god, a good team wants me. A team that will pay me. Wants do you think me.
0: with uh, Ohtani, Freeman, and Betts, and you know everybody else, do you think this is the bet's best version of one of these Dodgers teams we're gonna see ever? I think
1: so. Actually, I said that either it was on a previous podcast or in an article I wrote, I now can't remember. Yeah. Um, but this is the Dodgers in their final form. Whoa. This is what they've wanted since Otani, you know, came and was great. Right. They've wanted him on their team and they have bided their time, which is why they didn't make a lot of moves last off season. They, they bided their time and now they, they have him. They've got bets. They've got Freeman. They pried Freeman away. They've, have everything they need and they don't eat like i don't know what's going on with clayton kershaw but clayton kershaw is not is barely clayton kershaw anymore from his prime and they're still in their final form and they could still get better like they are terrifying but i'll say this again it is only during the regular season i think everyone needs to start thinking about the regular season and the playoffs as different Because the Dodgers are specifically stockpiling players to make sure or to try and prevent another power outage like they had last last season during the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And that's related to the related to the Phillies. Mm -hmm. Like there isn't a lot they could do within the means with that they're giving themselves. And, you know. You can't compare them to the Dodgers as far as money to spend. They have a huge ownership group. John Middleton is one man. And he's not going to spend $700 million on Shohei Otani. Nah. no. But they believe that they can still do well enough. And it's not... And saying well enough makes it seem like it's bad. Like it's, you know, oh, that's good enough. We don't have to add. Like, they have an incredible team. They have a team with stars everywhere and they're well, absolutely going to extend Zach Wheeler. They have teams with stars everywhere. And they, what they're banking on, which the Dodgers are not banking on is that their team has constructed. If they can do well during the playoffs, they can win the world series.
0: Yeah. And what's even more alarming is that I believe it was reported that the Dodgers had wanted, they're not super into many Manuel Margo. They're, they're into Randy or Rosarena who is who they wanted from the deal. But Tampa was like, the, our price is no. much higher for that. And they didn't want to pay it. And so I can see a couple of weeks this winter being about just Phillies fans wanting a Rosa Rosarena, even though I don't think, again, that's not where the Phillies are going to go. No. When they talk about outfield needs and better, like, that's not, they're not going to do that. That's, no. that's not where Resign, they're at. They're just. Yeah.
1: Resigning uh, NOLA also, and with the forthcoming, I'm going to guess, you know, uh, extension of Wheeler, this is the team in its final form. We This is the best they're going to get. Not the best they're going to get. They could certainly add in a few years. But right now, this is this this is the team at its best.
0: Right. And I think they're that's banking probably, on that
1: to get them yeah. through to the World Series while the Dodgers are just continuing to be very alarmed at what happens <laughs> to them during the playoffs and just continuing to... Add it. It's just like a an overdecorated Christmas tree that will eventually topple on itself.
0: Speaking of toppling on yourself, I uh, just wanted to mention the ro- the Royals. I mentioned earlier are being more active this year, and um, people just I don't know the National Reds. Just they seem to really want you to be genuinely impressed with the Royals uh, because they signed Seth Lugo, Hunter Renfro, and now Michael Waka on three, two, and one year deals. Uh-huh. Some Somebody wants a new stadium in Kansas Good City. Luck. Good luck. <laughs> well, let's finish up with some Phillies stuff. Uh, Matt Gelb said in his mailbag this week after being asked about the Phillies bringing in Tommy Pham, anyone? Mm. That, quote... No doubt Marsh could be the center fielder with a more traditional bat first man like fam in left. But the Phillies really like the idea of Marsh in left field. He'd be one of the best defenders in baseball at that position. Now, Liz, you have said on this podcast, you hate Brandon Marsh and you don't (laughs) want him on the team. How does that statement make you feel?
1: I mean obviously since I despise him really terrible
0: Uh, (laughs) Liz does not despise Brandon Marsh I do not
1: I was entertaining the idea of him being a trade piece because I think he's a great trade piece he is but he's a great trade piece because he has a lot of potential and if the Phillies could figure that out if the Phillies can get him to fulfill that then he is a great player for the Phillies which he already is you know it if they want him in left field, they believe he can be a good defender there, then do it. I'm who, who wouldn't be thrilled.
0: I like the idea of people being like, we need a bat first left fielder. I was like, who did you have a bat first? left fielder? Is <laughs> <laughs> the DH now? He's so bat first. Like, <laughs> You want to replace him with Tommy. I thought the whole point was we were putting a left fielder out there. So yeah, yeah we I, need yeah. a left Tommy fielder.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, 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 Just to repeat my point from earlier, I think the Phillies are going for a a fits as far as players go fits with their plans this year, which are which means not the most shimmering star available to fill the roles they have available. I think they're going to have a really chill, cool offseason, and that's going to drive people out absolutely insane, especially if the Eagles keep losing. And that's one of those really sharp predictions that's made a uh, making halfway through the thing I'm predicting. But still, it's uh, it's generally the vibe, I think, coming off the team right now. Um, even as, Liz, the middle to back of the rotation market is heating up. Jack mm-hmm. Flaherty to the Tigers, Tyler Mayle to the Rangers. Hmm? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, no one. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think you should be uh, expecting to be super excited! More just like nodding uh, in agreement potentially, or like if you're a lot of Phillies fans shaking your head so hard you get a nosebleed at whatever happens next. But all in all, I think it's been a quiet but encouraging offseason for a team that has had two successful seasons, though they you know, they have their flaws, but I trust the people who are in charge of correcting flaws to correct them at this point. So things to look forward to as we await the continuance of non-baseball season hooray well that'll do it for this episode of Hit and season Liz you have any final thoughts to share
1: um I was hoping to uh publish a post on Yahoo Sports this week about where we are with Hall of Fame voting uh with Ryan Thibodeau's Hall of Fame ballot tracker unfortunately there have only been 15 ballots made public by the writers so far. Mm. So there isn't much to extrapolate from that, but there is a little bit. Uh, Chase Sutley has received votes on nine of the 15, and I think Joe Maurer on 12 or 11 of the 15. That is a good sign. Um, I would encourage everyone to head over to fangraphs.com to read uh, Jay Jaffe's um, really well-written lovely in depth article on um Chase Sutley's career in Hall of Fame case. Uh I tweeted that I'd been waiting for him to write that for five years. Uh because honestly, I was and he said I've been waiting to write it for five years because he is a Chase Sutley fan, which honestly, I love.
0: There's you don't have to read anybody else in Hall of Fame discourse season. Just, Just Jay. read Jay. You don't have to read anybody else. Anybody else is It's going to be a lot of fluffiness, a lot of this is why I voted the way I voted, because war, what is it good for? And also PEDs, but also you you don't need you don't need to get all that in your break. Just read Jay. He's the uh, in-house expert at Fangraphs on the Hall of Fame. He has a stat that is Jaws. Yes. Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, it's called Jaws. He wrote about it in his book, the Cooperstown Casebook, which is a great book that everyone should pick up. Yeah. Um, he he knows it all. There is no better expert on the Hall of Fame statistically than him and he he's taken the Hall of Fame and winnowed it down to stats and has looked at patterns in a way that no one who voted for the Hall of Fame at points ever looked at it. And so you know, Chase Sutley doesn't have 2,000 hits. He would be one of the he would be a mold breaking um, uh, inductee if he does get voted in. Um, But that shouldn't frighten anybody, um, because at least so far, seeing that he has as many votes as he does through nine through 15 ballots, um at least shows that he's going to have enough support this year to stay on the ballot and can build his case through successive years because I've looked at the future cases and while 2025 includes CC Sabathia and uh Ichiro Suzuki after that it is a wasteland kids it is a waste land Chase Utley will get in because he's good enough but also because there are just not enough Hall of Famers that have played <laughs>
0: And I think he has the key component that other guys don't, which is, you know, writers like him and they yes. love writing in guys that they like or yep. writing in guys they like. So, yeah, that's an exciting development, too. And I will see you all at Chase Utley's induction oh, ceremony. Oh, God, we're going to have such a Koopasai. party, guys.
1: <laughs> such a party. We're all going to drive eight to ten hours to Nowheresville in the middle of New York and we're going to have a huge party.
0: They're going to love it. They're oh, going to yeah. love a, a huge uh, uh, Mad Max style <laughs> horde of Philadelphia <laughs> fans coming into Cooperstown.
1: Oh, I'm so into it. Yes. Uh,
0: well, that'll do it for this episode of and Season. Uh, I also have a story to plug myself on Baseball uh, baseball prospectus about Steve Randolph, the guy chosen in the 18th round of the 1995 MLB draft, the same round and year that Tom Brady was drafted in the MLB draft. But unlike Tom Brady, Steve Randolph was the only one from that round to go on to play Major League Baseball, something Tom Brady completely and utterly failed to do throughout his career. So uh, if you want to head on to Baseball Prospectus, that story is <laughs> available there. Uh, and additionally, there is a recent episode of Absolutely Hammered over at the Hidden Season Patreon available at Patreon.com slash Hidden Season uh, for a $5 subscription. We'll have more episodes of of Absolutely Hammered and the Dirty Inning this month as we head into the holidays and our final sprint into 2024. Stay here uh, in this space at BillyPenn.com slash Hidden Season for more Phillies uh, talk, analysis, conversations, and freakouts as the offseason goes on. But as always, from WHYY and Billy Penn, I'm Justin Clue. I'm Liz Rocher. And this has been Hit and Season.